0: Welcome to the Successful Women show. Our mission is to help women in their careers, women in business, and women who aspire to become business owners, live their lives and dreams, and reach their goals. I am Dr. Madeline Ann Lewis, your host. You know, in today's modern society, women often face challenges that can sometimes make them feel less of themselves. I understand how it feels to go through tough times. And I also believe as women, we have come too far to quit now. This show is dedicated to my mom, Lily Lewis. She was my inspiration, my champion, and my role model growing up. You know, I did not realize at the time, but I know now that my mom did not have the same opportunities that women have today. I remember as a child, my mom worked two jobs to keep our household going. My father during our earlier years was not around, so she was the sole income source in our home. You know, I saw the sacrifices that my mom made so that my sister and I would have what we needed to live, uh, you know, the things that we needed to live life. Life was not easy for her, but she always let us know that you never give up on your dreams and that you never quit. So this is what I want women to know. You can do it. You can have a stellar career. You can be the CEO of your own business and you can have a great life. It just takes faith, perseverance, and a belief in you. So again, I'd like to welcome you to the Successful Women Show. We have a great guest for you today. Our guest is Ms. Aphrodite Jones, and she is a best-selling true crime author and journalist who uses her reporter's hunch to investigate and write about murder. Through her eyes, Jones brings readers inside murder cases as she explores dark motives and conveys the emotional truths hiding behind the tragedy. Over the past two decades, Jones has written a string of best-selling true crime books, has provided TV commentary and expert insights into the psychological profiles of both criminals and victims. Now you know I could go on and on about her background, and uh, but I'd like to bring her on and just let her tell you about Aphrodite Jones. So welcome to the Successful Women show. It's great to finally connect with you. I'm so excited that you're here. Tell us about Aphrodite Jones. Tell us okay. uh, basically
1: how you got where you are today and, and you know, how did you do it? Okay, Madeline, well first of all, thanks for having me on. It's an honor and I appreciate it. Um, You know, it, it's interesting because women, don't necessarily support each other and I love the idea of what you're doing here and other women who are doing the same thing reaching out to other women and, and letting other women know that you know you can you say become whoever you want to be you can shape your world it may not be exactly your perfect you know dream it may not be you, you want to be a rock star it may not get to be a rock star I want it to be a rock star too you know but you may be a rock star in your own profession. And that's more important really realistically speaking um so to that end uh you know when i started writing i was a journalist and i created a column about cable television because cable television back in the dinosaur days was new and so in the early 80s i chronicled the evolution of cable television so i was going to things like the disney channel open the Playboy Channel opening, the the Weather Channel opening, and these were, you know, big events at, at the Playboy Mansion, at Disneyland in LA or Anaheim. You know, these were not little things, but I couldn't understand, like, what are they doing? I mean, is this, people gonna watch Weather all day? There were certain things I, I get it, other things I didn't get it. Um, and early cable, of course, was, you know, a wild, wild less, kind of like the internet, you know, you just have, people throwing things up there and Showtime was just taking Broadway shows and recording them. And that was it. There was no nothing else on Showtime back then. But I I did that and became a nationally syndicated columnist and uh, used to interview all kinds of celebrities. And they taught me about how to be successful. So I'm happy to pass this forward um, because what I learned back then in my early twenties was number one, you know, as you say, never give up. But number two is, you have to have the mindset that you are going to make it, and you need to keep that mindset no matter what. Because you know, success is getting through many, many failures. That's what success really is. So what stops people is, oh, geez, I failed. Forget it. No. You're not, I I, I don't know if it was Thomas Edison or or one of the great inventors who, who, you know, had so many failures before that person, he he created the the electricity. Um, These kind of stories, if you look into the history of geniuses and huge success stories, you will see that the only way they found success was by trying and trying again. It wasn't a, a given ever on any level. So, you know, that, that to me is a very important message to get to people because, you know, for me, and I'll give you the example of my life. So when I started as a journalist, as a columnist, um, after a number of years, I moved out of that because it wasn't paying me enough. I was writing, I was actually syndicated, but I wasn't getting compensated. They were basically, you know, taking it for almost for free. So I moved on and I wound up going to graduate school and I wound up uh, getting a a master's degree from LIU in Long Island and then a second one from NYU in Manhattan. And um, with that, and I was working on a PhD, I completed the PhD except for the dissertation and went off to teach at a university, a little college really in Kentucky, Appalachia. And that was an eye opener, I must say. But while I was down there, I was writing my dissertation but I was also now a writer and I was also now you know, looking to see what kind of project would I write about and as it happened I also because I'm driven and because I have that self motivation which you need to keep, okay, um, I was doing side work as a DJ or news rather news director alongside a DJ in that little local uh, radio station in a place called Pikeville. Kentucky. Well, It just so happened that an FBI agent killed his informant there. In 1989, he copped a plea deal, becoming the first ever agent in the history of the FBI to go to prison for manslaughter. He copped that deal, but he killed her, he murdered her. She was pregnant and threatening him and to expose him to his wife and to the FBI, and he would have lost his career. That became my first book, The FBI Killer which then became a TV movie for ABC with Patricia Arquette playing the woman, Susan Daniel Smith, who was killed, and Steven Weber playing the FBI agent. And so with that, my career was really launched. Um, you know, it was it, it, it's interesting the way things can almost happen overnight, but I know that, no it didn't, because I had been writing and I'd written another book prior to that that never got published. There were a lot of rejections for many years before that happened, but now suddenly I'm overnight this success supposedly, but the truth is you have to keep proving yourself clearly. So I wound up in a story in um, Indiana about four teenage girls who killed a 12-year-old girl. Horrifying story, the book is called Cruel Sacrifice. And to this day, it's probably my most well-read book other than my Michael Jackson book. Um, Because it's so horrific, but yet, I go into the psychological backdrop of these girls and how this even happened. They're 15 and 16-year-old girls in mid the middle of the USA before schoolhouse shootings, before any of this. You know, it just didn't make sense. So once that happened, it hit the New York Times list at the top of the list. And then I was stuck with true crime. Now, I didn't want to continue writing true crime stories because they're very trying on the psyche. But, you know, sometimes The world has a way of putting you in a direction and you need to follow that direction, even if it's against your grain. Because at the end of the day, everybody, like I say, doesn't get to be a rock star or Angelina Jolie or Beyonce or whatever it is that people want to dream to be. Of course, there's, there's two dozen Beyonce's maybe in the world, on the whole planet, on that level of success as women. You know the, the Cindy Lauper's, the whomever. It's 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 just maybe there's ten dozen. I don't know. It depends how you want to count it. But how many operas can there be? There aren't. So bottom line is, you know, while you can strive to be the big, biggest of the big, you got to take what you have and make the best of that. And you know, if as I say, if you're being pushed into a certain direction in a career and you don't feel that that's what you want to do. Sometimes it's best to stay there and see where that brings you before you just jump out. I notice younger people today are like, I don't want to do that. Let me jump out to something that I makes me happy. you never going to get the kind of success that, uh, let's say, you have or I have without sticking to something, sticking to it and staying the course because it's, it, success doesn't come easily. It is a series of failures and it is a series of struggles. And it is those struggles and those experiences that actually make you have the ability to understand where you need to be. You know, it's through all that trial and error that you finally can take hold somewhere. But if people start jumping from place to place to place because job to job to career to career because, oh, I didn't like that, it's it's okay to do that certainly once and twice in your life, I suppose, but to continue to do that, you're, you're just not gonna get anywhere. So I think that's a big piece of advice, because for me, I did not want to be in the true crime world. A lot of people who are fans say to me, you know, oh, how did you get into it? What, what attracted you to it? I'm saying I nothing ever attracted me to it. I don't want to talk about people who are murdered. I don't even want to do this um you know people find that odd when i say that nowadays because true crime is so popular which to me is strange as, as as well but again i did not intend for this to be my career in fact i went back and i tried to sell a um spirituality book on about being psychic because i have uh i tap into my psychic side i think all women do i know all people have that ability if they wish to tap into it I do and uh, you know I'm not saying I'm a, a psychic medium I'm not the Long Island medium although I've met her um, and I wonder about mediums in general but I am saying that we all have the ability to tap into it, some kind of energy that's beyond ourselves and that you know for me i wanted to get into the spirituality so by the by the time of uh the new millennium in 2000 i was totally on the spiritual trail i didn't want to do crime anymore i had already now written more crime books they weren't accepting anything for from me but crime books and i was just and the third one became all she wanted became the movie boys don't cry so again it, you know, it catapulted my career, but it solidified my career in one genre, a genre that was really not making me happy. I was very torn up by it because unlike journalists or news reporters who come into a story and cover it and leave, I'm there for six or eight months. I'm camped out. I'm living in the location. I'm dealing with that family who's lost a money. I'm dealing with all the rest of the story and the killers and everything. And it's, it's scary. It's trying. It's... A lot of things, and you're on your own as an author. You're on your own. You don't have a network to go back to and cameraman around you that's gonna protect you. You're alone, and those days there were no cell phones. I'm in middle of the country, Nowheresville, Nebraska, where Tina Brandon got killed in a town called Humboldt, which isn't even a town, okay? I mean, the friends of the people who were like, going to prison for life over the murders, triple homicide, they were around, mm. you know? I mean, Things are n- not as as you might think. So uh, flash forward to um, now I have written uh, a number of books and I start commenting on all these books and going on the talk shows with Monto Williams, with Sally Jesse Raphael, with Maury Povich when he had a real talk show, not the current talk show. Um, and, and folks like that I was on the Today Show with Brian Gumbel back in those, you know, ages ago. and. And finally, I started, I did some reporting for America's Most Wanted. They wanted to have correspondence. It turned out that they they didn't work it that way with John Walsh. But I did do reporting for that. Worked on some stories, murder stories on TV for that. And ultimately, I created my own show. And I created my own show called Acredity Jones Investigates. It wound up airing as the Justice Hunters in 2001, right before 9-11. Like two weeks before Mm 9-11. So, you know... Again, the, the, the impetus for me to create that show and the ability to do that based on an author chasing down stories, that wasn't done before. And I don't know any other author who's actually done it. So where did that come from? It came from an inner desire to speak out, to touch people's lives, okay, to impact people in a positive way about something that's very dark but that we all fear and that we can learn lessons from. So that's really my, you know, one of my biggest elements of who I am and what I do. It's always driven by that, number one. And, um, you know, when I did that show, when I created it and I was living in LA at the time in 1999, believe me, I mean, I don't know how I was able to pull the strength and pull whatever from the universe, you know, with the help of God and I'm a believer to make that actually happen it was it's a miracle it was crazy but it happened and I did it then it fell apart because it aired one episode and then 9-11 happened and again this is where you know you can't give up and I, I you know you know this Madeline, to be where you're up, sitting right now
0: mm-hmm. absolutely I mean um, some of the things that you said has just uh, been on key especially when you said sometimes when you start in one genre you get kind of stuck in that place you know and i've heard a lot of even celebrities say that when they star on these these series or whatever they get kind of um just kind of boxed into that one character and that's why sure. sometimes you you see them leave the show, and everybody's wondering, well, why did they leave? The show is doing so great, but to them, it's like I'm pin, you know I'm pigeonholed in that one little, and that's all people see, and that's all people know, and so sometimes they have to veer off and try to let people know, hey, I can do other things, which is what uh, you seemed like you wanted to do and that you did so that was you know that was well great. yeah
1: and, and you know to that point uh, I'll never forget when I was interviewing celebrities for the cable view column back in time I met Ron Howard not just met but there was a luncheon and it was a whole thing and it was because he had a new movie that he directed that was now going to air on cable and there he was and to me he's from happy days at that time He's Opie from Mayberry R.F.D. He's not Ron Howard to me. He's with Fonzie and and the other rest of the gang from the Happy Days. That's in my mind and to me, he's still this young redheaded guy who's got this great acting career. Happy Days was one of the most successful shows ever. Mm -hmm. And what I said to him, why did you leave Happy Days? Why did you? why are you doing this directing and he looked at me you know basically said you know this is what i choose to do and at the time i was young enough and stupid enough to not really get it like i'm like you know like you're saying other people are like what do you do like are you crazy you're mm-hmm. leaving this fantastic you let it close down he was the centerpiece of that show happy days mm-hmm. the cunning answer if you recall He basically, I don't know that he shut down or it shut down, but instead of him going on to get another acting gig, which he certainly could have gotten. It wasn't like the child star didn't make it. No, he flipped over to being an adult star. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. He could have continued with that. He's a brilliant, brilliant actor. Absolutely. But he decided to go behind the camera. And guess what we see now? We see one of the most brilliant directors of all time in Ron Howard.
0: I've seen right. his name uh, as director on on several shows, and I, I remember, um, as a matter of fact, the last movie I think I I saw him in was *The Shooters* with John Wayne, when he was a, oh. a little older. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, oh,
1: I mean he hasn't been in front of the camera in forever, but yeah, that's
0: to, why I, say, I think that may have that might have been the last one. I'm not sure,
1: but I know that's. Um, you if know, I think, if I recall his films, and I don't, I, I don't pay attention to exactly, but I believe he did Backdraft. I believe he did Apollo Thirteen. Okay. You know, I'd okay, I have to look and see, but I know he's done major films that are mm-hmm. huge mm-hmm. successes. This isn't a guy who's just making stuff for television anymore. No. He is, he's at the top of the game over there, okay, in Hollywood and in, in, a, in that industry. So, you know, I always remember that you know little uh, moment I had there, mm-hmm. sitting next to him. Wow. We were watching, screening the this this TV movie, and I was thinking, Jesus, this is not even a good movie, and now you're leaving your acting and happy. it's just you know, mm-hmm. uh, so things like that can stay with you, and hopefully do when you learn them through your show or, or through your own experiences um, with people who yeah decide that it's time for me to jump because I can make that leap or I'm going to try.
0: Absolutely. And that's
1: different, though, than just leaving things early on
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and saying, you know, oh, you know what? I'm inspired. I'm going to quit this job at, at a hair salon and I'll open my own salon. Well, you know, maybe not so fast because I know people who have done that and then they're sorry Absolutely. and then they don't know how to get out of it. And now they're in a hole and whatnot, whatnot. You know, you, you kind of have to follow your dreams. But again, let your your the world dictate to you where those dreams should start to go. Because if not, if you don't learn the magic word, my favorite magic word, morph. If you can't morph. Yes. You ain't gonna make it. Yes. Because you don't get to have, none of us get to have exactly what we wanted to have every single time, or at all, depending on what's going on. Yes. You know, I, It's just the way of life. This is not gonna happen. So if you can't morph and say, oh, you know what, they like my voiceovers, I'm not getting picked in an acting job, but they want me to do voiceovers, then do the voiceovers, don't complain. You know, I'm gonna have an actress girlfriend who is a famous actress, Mm -hmm. and she turned down all TV work back in the olden days, Mm -hmm. because she was in the movie Arthur. Okay. And and, uh, Dudley Moore she played the prostitute in that movie. And then she had bigger roles as well in Woody Allen movies and whatnot. And, and she decided that she would turn down Saturday Night Live, this and that, everything. Because those days, movies were all of it. It was everything. And TV was considered less than, if you remember, right? And that's only changed recently, too. I mean, with cable, with streaming. Before that, you didn't see movie stars really moving to television until the last, what, 10 years, I think? Probably, yeah. Right? So back in her day, it was, you know, she's she's older now. So it was like, you you know, you didn't do that. You kept your movie star status. Well, she passed on all the television. And by the end of it, while I was still living in LA at the time, and this is now 20 years ago, she was old enough that she was still getting like an appearance role on Sex in the City, and an appearance role on the entourage or whatever. And she wasn't making enough money. And I said to her, you know, you should do commercials no i would never be she's italian the italian mama on a pasta sauce it's not gonna happen okay what has happened all those jobs that were actors that you've never heard of that were faces that were good enough to do that and would have had royalties and residuals forever from those they're gone because guess what's doing all the commercials now another thing that was not not cool absolutely okay for celebrities they go to japan and do commercials they wouldn't be doing it over here now every commercial you see it's another celebrity i mean they're taking advantage unfortunately too they're taking the market away from the actors who uh character actors who could make a living a good living through that don't have that opportunity now i mean how many commercials do you see relatively speaking, where it's celebrities versus you don't know who these people are. It's, absolutely so she gave up that opportunity as well. And I use her as an example. I hope she never sees this because she'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But I do, I mean, I do think of that as well. People who um, left a job um, or let a, let a path go because they felt they were too good for good. that. Absolutely, that is it.
0: And, then, and you, when you use the word morph, the first thing that came back to me um, when I was in the military, the one thing that they used to always say that you need to be able to adapt, improvise and overcome. And so yeah. when, when you said morph, that's, that's exactly the, the, the phrase that I, I got uh, as you were saying that. And like you said, you have to be able to, you know, it basically change you know, with yes. well, that. Uh, if back in the day, you know, celebrities didn't do series on TV. Now, <laughs> they're probably fighting for it, you know. Of course, you know, they are. are. are you kidding? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. because that's 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 where they can also continue to make good money and and in, in doing that. So that's uh you have to be able to change. You have to be able to know, like you said, when to move and when not to move, and and not do it because you think it's beneath you or something like that That, that's a big mistake
1: i think that's a huge mistake Mm -hmm. we all start somewhere and usually it's at the bottom and if you're starting somewhere in the top that means you got it through a family member and you don't know what you're doing anyway and you could lose it so, I, I, you know, that's another story, right? Yeah. <laughs> a whole different show, I suppose. <laughs> and I'm not taking away from people who inherit and wind up with a business and do yeah. well with it. But my experience is such that, from the people I know personally, that inherited a business, it's not ever the same. It doesn't have the same wheels churning mm-hmm. as did the original founder because the person who inherited it didn't have to really go from the ground up. Exactly,
0: and yeah. not as appreciated as much too.
1: See, that's what I mean. It's yeah. Not, yeah. They're, not, they're not fighting for it. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't make it themselves. And so, if it breaks, it breaks. And there's a lot of those stories. And if you really look at the world in a big picture, you'll see that that's more often than not, not the other way around. Absolutely. It's not like the kid takes over the business and it starts to become booming. No, the kid takes over the business and then right. they don't care. Yeah, it yeah. goes. So, you know, and I hate to talk in those kind of generalities, obviously, I don't know the percentages of this stuff, Madeline, but I do know that, you know, there are people also out there who are like, well, why do I have to climb a ladder when so-and-so's mother handed her, her a hair salon or handed her a magazine, whatever it is, or, you know, her mother was, uh, Liza Manelli's mother was Judy Garland. I mean, look, of course she made it like that. It's nepotism. It's whatever. Well, look at Liza Minnelli. Did she do so well, really, at the end of the day? She never matched up. I'm not saying everybody's kids won't do as well, but you notice the kids of celebrities aren't necessarily popping out as the big superstars. And there's a reason for that, because they're not they're 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 being again being given opportunities rather than fighting for the opportunities. And when you're given, you're never gonna have that drive that I'm talking about, which should be behind every single person who wants to be successful. And not to be, uh, you know, don't take things for granted. If you don't Mm -hmm. take anything for granted, the ones who do make it in the industry, don't take it for granted that they have that brain. Yeah. Okay. know what it takes to get there, yeah. Look at Will Smith, Mm -hmm. for example. Here's somebody who came out with rapping Okay, getting jiggy with it before rapping was even really in any kind of heyday. Mm -hmm. But he jumped over to TV, Fresh Prince. And frankly, as one of the most successful stars in the world, the one thing he talks about is his ridiculous work ethic.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay? Mm -hmm. And he could have flipped and stayed with rap and this and that and done. He focused like a laser beam. Mm -hmm. And his work ethic, you watch him talk about it. He said, it's ridiculous. Yes. You know, and does that mean that his kids get to be a movie? Sure, you know, there's nepotism and buddy buddy Bob, but does that mean that his kids, if they don't work as hard as he does, are going to be another Will Smith? No, they will not.
0: Right.
1: So, you know, at the end of the day, it's elbow grease. It's, it's, it's blood, sweat, and tears. It's, you know, all the things that we kind of know. Yeah. But um, anyway, so yeah. you know back to the career that I, was able to help create for myself mm-hmm. um, after the 9/11 thing happened. Um, I, you know, I was I was devastated, and you know, all my hopes seemed dashed. But obviously, I went on, and I wound up writing uh, covering uh, a dog mowing case that happened in California. That was a huge case. Um, this woman was eaten alive by two gigantic dogs in San Francisco. And the book is mm-hmm. called, it's called Red Zone, The San Francisco Dog Mine. And it was huge out in the West Coast. And um, so I covered that mm-hmm. and I wrote that book. And then I wound up writing yet another book about Michael Peterson, who's a man whose wife fell down the staircase and turns out another woman fell down the staircase in his life and both of them died and he collected. And that became now a TV movie based on my book called The Staircase Murders, Treat William Starden, and it was for a lifetime. At that point, um, it just so happened now that there's a documentary series on Netflix called The Staircase, which tells the killer's version of the whole story on film for 13 episodes, they followed him around for 16 years. It's a very interesting uh, series, I'll, I'll say that, that. There's a lot wrong with it too, because it makes pretend that you're seeing everything when in reality, they're leaving out evidence. So you might wanna, if you do look at it, read my book, A Perfect Husband, because you will see that there's another big story there that they conveniently left out of what seems to be such a telling docu-series, which again, is another issue that I don't need to get into right now, but, People are doing things that I don't, I work with integrity, you do too. That's my, that is is my prayer every day, that I keep my integrity, every day, okay? And it's hard to do. I don't mean to do some work, I'm saying in general. If you say you're not gonna be on a diet and then you start eating, you know, you don't have your integrity with yourself. It's not, I'm not talking about being a decent, upstanding person, I'm talking about personal integrity. You know, it's tough. But that's what my focus is within my whole career, all right? And that's why, thank God, no one's ever come back to me on a book and said, you know, I didn't say this, or you didn't, you didn't, you misquoted me, because I don't do it, Okay. you know? Um, so I, I'm very, I'm a stickler about that kind of thing, um, and it and so just so happens the staircase is, uh, I, I wrote an additional new forward to my book, The, the Perfect Husband to talk about exactly what was wrong in the staircase Mm -hmm. and what they did that was sneaky and maligning of the victim, which, sorry, you don't get to do that in my world. No, no, no. Um, And so, but, so there you have it. So there was another book. And then ultimately I sold um, my two tv series to the id channel that uh, investigation discovery which no one even heard of at the time including me um, but i created a, a show concept again similar to the one a little different but similar to the one i had with usa network in 1990 or 2001 rather starting 1999 filming it didn't get on the air till 2001. um and that was called True Crime with Aphrodite Jones, which aired for six seasons on ID, and people know it around the world. It airs in 90 countries, and it's still available on ID Go. So if you haven't seen it, you might. I've done all the biggest cases on there. I went up doing Audrey Simpson, John Benet Ramsey, uh, Michael Jackson, uh, I mean, I guess Scott Peterson. Uh, that, I, I don't know, Phil Spector, I, on and on with the big cases. But then of course, many little cases that people haven't heard of as well too. So, I mean, I have been through the gamut, Casey Anthony, and, and I've been to these trials. So these are the trials that I've covered as well for Inside Edition or for um, cable news or for HLN or for Fox and so back in time before things got so polarized. You know? So, and again, with the morphing, you know, You gotta figure out, you know, where where are you headed with this? Uh, Nobody, I couldn't write the Scott Peterson book because everybody was already having book deals. It was too big of a case, like O.J. Simpson. So now what was I gonna do? I wound up getting a deal, a gig on Fox News and making it happen, making things, you know, stick together. And through that, you know, I was able to eventually put together a TV show concept and sell it, which is, again, it's a lottery to do that
0: so if um someone or women uh wanted to go into say being a journalist or writing in that genre what advice would you give to them
1: in the true crime genre you mean yes okay well here's here's the best advice i can give one is that you should start attending trials in your area locally so that everybody has a town close enough to them, a county close enough to them, where there's a murder trial, okay? Or, I mean, I used to drive, I've driven two hours to get to a trial, you know? Usually within an hour, you're gonna be in some kind of city, okay? And there'll be murder trials. And it doesn't mean it's the biggest murder trial in the world, but they're always in the papers, you know, you see it. (laughs) And go to it. And the public is allowed in, as we Taxpayers, we pay for that, so they're a public seating. Go to the trial and start taking notes and start understanding what the process is and who the players are and how this, how the chess game of the court system is functioning. Because when you're there, that's when you learn it. So that's number one. Number two is read other people's crime books. You know, read the best. Read from Ann Rule. Read from you know. Read In Cold Blood. Read one of my books if you're going to say. Try Girl Sacrifice. Whatever um or you know who's that whoever your pick take your pick your boys in but read from the people who have done well in that genre to understand what it is what it is that they're incorporating there and what it takes because that's going to give you a guideline and finally you know you got to go either start your own blog or go to your local paper or go on to somebody else's prime blog or prime site and start offering to write and start writing and you know you've got your your foot wet you got your feet wet you can put your foot in the door somewhere and um, you know you you progress from there
0: so if someone wanted to um, uh, reach out to you do you do any mentoring or do you um, help give advice on to individuals that want to get into this area or if they just wanted to follow you say on your you know on social media can they do that is there
1: yeah i mean i have a facebook page and i post there um and you know if you just google my name you'll see that i have a website where people can reach me through the website and um and send me queries, questions like you did, right? That's how we ultimately got together with this show. Absolutely. Um, but to answer to be frank about the answer to your question, I do get all my life have gotten. I'm in this business 30 years. People who come up during a book signing. In the old days I would do book signings, not anymore, but you know I I did book signings all over this this country. I mean at these tiny little bookstores and and even at Walmart. I mean craziness. Anyway, um, and people come up you know i've always planned to write a book i just don't have time and can you help me no i that's that's just you know pie in the sky kind of stuff it's like saying i want to be a singer can you just help me and show me a few songs that it doesn't work like that you've got to have the ability or hone your ability okay in writing the other thing is too that um because i have had such a successful tv show and I'm still on the air, you know, with things. Um, Like my current story, it was just on 2020 on ABC a couple weeks ago. Um, I get bombarded with people not only who want help writing, but more importantly for me, people who have a murder in their family or a person who's been convicted of a murder in their family that they want help with. Now that's something that I'm more apt to look at rather than just, you know, with people saying, "How can I write about?" You know, it, it, can you look at my manuscript? No, I'm not. I'm not going to be your editor. You know, if I did that with everyone who ever asked me that for all these years, I would be have no job, and I'd be reading everybody's manuscripts. It's just not. It's just not possible, and it's not going to happen. So people do send me books I'm, I'll write blurbs for authors that I know, and things like that. But are you there? Yes. Okay and um, you know but the bottom line is if I can do anything for anyone it has to do with telling a story or getting us a, put a shedding light on the story or trying to help them figure out how did they get media involved in their town regarding a particular case that had been overlooked so that's more likely where I respond to okay. uh, hence I don't mentor people which is why I wanted to do your show because I, you know, I, I, I would love the idea of it, and, and it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. However, in my field, it it just I have to sit with somebody, head you know, head to head, and and work on every other word. And I was a professor, as I told you, in, in Kentucky. I've already graded school papers for seven years. Every you know, all those years, and and I know about fixing grammar and fixing language, and you know, helping people learn how to write. That's just not my job anymore, you know? That's just not not anywhere I wanna go. My, my best advice to anyone who wants to start writing a book is start writing. I was given that advice. Start writing. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about it. Just do just it. do it. <laughs> okay. So what That's, is your website? What's, um, what's website, how can they get to your website? Absolutely, it's afridbettyjones.com. So it's A-P-H-R-O-D-I-T-E-J-O-N-E-S. Dot com. And if you Google my name, it'll come right up. And so will my Facebook page, and so will a bunch of articles on my books, on my TV appearances, on whatever. So um, that that's really the best way to just get to my stuff and um, see what I've been up to. And like I said to you uh, earlier before the interview, I'm working on a new book right now. And um, it's uh, it's a really, interesting case and, and it was just featured on 2020, which you can find a clip of that on my website because I have media appearances on there. And uh, so I'm, I'm knee deep in research and writing and craziness right now. I am just like, oh my goodness, I couldn't be more busy right now. But again, morphing back to writing. After my TV show, you know, was done, you know, now what? Well, you gotta reinvent yourself again. There you go, there you
0: go. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, come on and give us some success nuggets and your words of wisdom. It's been great, and uh, I do thank you for that. I know it took us a while to connect, but we finally did it, and uh, so those of you that have been listening in in, uh, in, the, uh, in the audience, I hope that you were taking notes, and I hope that uh, you heard that you can, if you definitely want to follow Aphrodite Jones, to go to her website, AphroditeJones.com. And also, I know she's on LinkedIn and, uh, of course, Facebook. You can follow her on those social media sites. Uh, you have been listening to the Successful for Women show. I'm Dr. Madeline Ann Lewis, your host, helping women to accelerate the path to success. If you'd like to reach out to me, please go to my website, which is www.exwsi.com. And while you're there, you can download my free three part video series on three things every woman should do to position herself for executive leadership. You can also email me at infoexwsi.com. At And please go uh, to www.crackthecareercode to sign up for my online course, which of course is Crack the Career Code, how to lead with confidence, charisma, and credibility. This has been, again, the Successful Women Show. I'm Dr. Madeline Ann Lewis. Join us again as we bring you another phenomenal guest next week. And tune in for us. In the meantime, be well and stay safe out there.